0: alaikum. Welcome to the Best Medicine Podcast with me, Doctor Riyad Musa. It is the, I think, the fourth third episode. Yes. And um, my mother listened to the last podcast, and uh, she said to me, "I listened to your podcast, and you take too long to get to the point. You ramble a lot." And I think perhaps you should first do an introduction about what you are going to talk about and then extrapolate from that point on because there's a lot of tangents. Things go in many directions and I think maybe it's more suited to people who are in the creative industry and understand comedy because you were talking about deep philosophical comedic points. But I felt like... Where was it going? I listened to a few minutes of it and that was my initial assessment. So, okay. (laughs) I don't know how to deal with that because, you know, the nature of this podcast or my intention with this podcast was just to talk and sort of concretize and coalesce many of the random thoughts that I do have in my nutty brain and try and make sense of this for healing purposes, but it seems like according to the person who loves me most in life, the person who loves me unconditionally, I ramble and I need to get to the point. So, <laughs> this is for you mom. This podcast is about how laughter, comedy and creativity actually affects our mental health and our wellness. And... In the last episode, I was actually grappling with my own mental health issues due to the catalyst of me watching Chris Rock's special, Selective Outrage. And I actually cried. I said in the last special, actually not in the last special, not last podcast, that I actually cried after watching Chris Rock's special and I Couldn't pinpoint why it was so therapeutic for me. But it was definitely therapeutic for him. He tried to transform his pain, his humiliation of Will Smith slapping him. At the Oscars last year. And he alchemized it into art. And laughs. And I think that was... Definitely therapeutic for me. I cried, bruh. And and it wasn't like a just a tear descending down my cheek. I chunked. That's what we say on the flats. I chunked. I ugly cry. Ah. <laughs> Not like the cries in the movies, you know, where all the emotion happened around the eyes and you know just tears well up and a, a solitary tear descends down your eyes ah, crisp, man. that was good man you're over there you know where snot sort of comes out to the nose descends down the cheek falls into the corner of your mouth and you're like <laughs> ah, you don't care ugly cry that's really motion but doesn't like work so well on camera and i cried And, (laughs) and this is me now trying to unpack that because the slap affected me from both perspectives, from the Chris Rock perspective, because he's been the most influential comedian in my formative years, even though like he has a potty mouth, potty mouth. And I'm a very sort of clean family comedian, as many of you know, um, and, uh, Will Smith has definitely been inspirational for me, because he seemed to be a person that understood how to negotiate the world of fame, and I use a lot of his ideas or his processes in achieving success, like he comes up with lots of amazing and very pragmatic ways to approach success and fear and achievement. For example, you see, you don't try and build a wall. This is not about Donald Trump. It's it's a conceptual wall, an abstract wall. You don't say, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest, greatest wall that's ever been built. You don't start there. You say, I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. And you do that every single day. And soon, you have a wall. Right? (laughs) So, that's quite an interesting tidbit of information that people who want to achieve could potentially use. Right? (laughs) Donald Trump, imagine, he was like, I heard Will Smith saying this about the brick. We should start laying bricks, folks. We're not going to build a wall. We're going to... Take one brick at a time. Start with a little brick, a tiny brick, or place it perfectly down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's not about that. About the figurative uh, bricks you need to lay down to achieve success. But the fact that he smacked Chris Rock at the moment where you was about to summit the Everest of acting and, and receive his Oscar like he like, jumped off the peak, bruh. <laughs> we well, could have just walked up there. Like, why? It uncovered uh, a fakeness in him. Like, I I'd, I'd never seen him express unjustified anger. And I don't care what you guys say, the G.I. Jane joke. That he made about Jada, like comparatively to what comedians usually say, it was very tame. There was something else going on that made him react like that, and it uncovered a fakeness in Will Smith, right? Something very, very different from his projected self, what we all saw, and it ups, it sort of upset me because, as I said, like I mean, is this uncovering a potential? Within me, if I'm like, you know, utilizing this guy's ideas, then maybe what's going to, what's what's to stop it from happening to me if it happened to him? Like one day at the Safters, Skalk the note makes like a off-color joke about the woman I love, and I walk up there and slap him. <push> slap Skalk back into lockdown. <push> lockdown level one, day 56, feeling bad. Feeling negative. Fuck, men, say, here, like, Kate. Riyad Moosa just me. <laughs> Is this in my future, bro? If I'm listening to Will Smith, bruh. So, like, I had to unpack this. And then I went over, because I read his book. But it has a deeper meaning, like if you read it after watching the slap, right? This is how he opens the first chapter of his book. Well, I recommend it. He said, I've always thought of myself as a coward. Most of my memories of my childhood involve me being afraid in some way. Afraid of other kids. Afraid of being hurt or embarrassed. Afraid of being seen as weak but mostly I was afraid of my father when I was nine years old I watched my father punch my mother in the side of her head so hard that she collapsed I saw a spit blood that moment in that bedroom probably more than any other moment in my life has defined who I am today Yo. Within everything that I've done since then, the awards, the accolades, the spotlights, and the attention, the characters, and the laughs, there has been a subtle string of apologies to my mother for my inaction that day. For failing her in that moment. For failing to stand up to my father. For being a coward. What you have come to understand is Will Smith, Will Smith, the alien-annihilating MC, the bigger-than-life movie star, is largely a construction, a carefully crafted and owned character designed to protect myself, to hide myself from the world, to hide the coward. Hectic, And then he extrapolates a little bit more later in the book. No, just a little bit later in the first chapter. He talks about identity. He says, each of my siblings remembers that night in the bedroom with our mother. Each of us was incredibly scared, but each of us responded differently in ways that would go on to define who we were for much of our lives. He says, if Harry was fight, Ellen was flight, and I became a pleaser. Throughout our childhood, my siblings and I judged one another harshly for our different reactions, and those judgments hardened into resentment. Ellen felt like Harry and I didn't support her. Harry felt that as the older brother, I should have been stronger. I should have done something. And I felt like their responses only inflamed the situation and made it worse for all of us. I wanted everybody to just shut the fuck up and do it my way. I wanted to please implicate him. Because as long as Daddy was laughing and smiling, I believed we would be safe. I was the entertainer in the family. I wanted to keep everything light and fun and joyful. And while this psychological response would later bear artistic and financial fruits, it also meant that my little nine-year-old brain processed Daddy O's abusive episodes as somehow being my fault. I should have been able to keep my father satisfied. I should have been able to protect my mother. I should have been able to make the family stable and happy. I should have been able to make everything all right. And it's in this compulsive desire to constantly please others, to keep them laughing and smiling at all times, to direct all the attention in the room away from the ugly and uncomfortable towards the joyful and and the beautiful it is there that a true entertainer is born but that night in that bedroom with me standing there in the doorway watching my father's fists collide with the woman i loved most in this world watching as she collapsed to the ground helpless i just stood there frozen i'd been scared my whole childhood but this was the first time I had been aware of my own inaction. I was my mom's oldest son. I was less than 10 yards away, and I was the only chance she had for help. And yet I I did nothing. It was then that my young identity congealed in my mind, became encased in a hard sediment, an unshakable feeling that no matter what I have done, and no matter how successful i have become no matter how much money i've made or how many number one hits i've had or how many box office records i've broken there is the subtle and silent feeling always pulsating in the back of my mind that i am i'm a coward that i have failed and that i'm sorry momo so sorry That night in that bedroom, at only nine years old, watching the destruction of my family as my mother collapsed to the floor. In that moment, I decided, I made a silent promise to my mother, to my family, to myself. One day, I would be in charge. And this would never, ever happen again. Sure. Well, it happened again, bruh. I believe, at the Oscars. I believe that's exactly what happened, brah. It happened again. I think in that moment, because he laughed initially, right? And then he looked at Jada and he saw the pain in her eyes and I think he was transported instantaneously back into the body of that little nine-year-old feeling like a coward and that coalesced with... His identity of himself today as the hero, and he mixed the two, and he went, it was like it was in a movie set, I bet you he had an out-of-body experience, I bet you he was watching himself from the roof of the Oscars, right, like a director, watching that monitor, right, just watching, because he walked like, like a like a hero, bro, I bet he had music going on in the background, slapped Chris Rock, right. I bet he thought now nah, how the editor is going to put like a slow motion on that thing, right? <laughs> and then he walked back, you know, dun, dun, in slow motion. Chris Rock, in yeah. the background, right? And, and the director, in his mind, him watching himself probably was going, Cut, bruh! Cut! Let's do that again! Let's... I need a script rewriter, bruh! Uh, this is not... This is not where this movie was supposed to go, bruh. I bet you that was happening. And I'm sure that is going to psychologically mess him up because I believe in that moment, he was what he thought of himself as a child, the coward. He was the hero as well. And he was his father beating up on someone less powerful than him. And I bet you that is messing him up a lot because those are identity issues like who am i bruh i thought i wasn't this lady anymore because if you're going to be so vulnerable i'm sure he didn't think that he was still that child right quant now past, bruh i'm sure he didn't think that because he wrote this whole book being very vulnerable you only do that if you think you've overcome certain things and have a great understanding of it. But no, bro, this uncovered that. And and especially Chris Rock's response, the one joke, there's a few jokes that's gonna affect him. There's harsh jokes. The Jada Entanglement joke, harsh. But the one we called him a bitch. Right? Because that's his core trauma. He doesn't want to be a coward. He's going. You know, because of this as a child, this is how I saw myself. That's not who I'm going to be. And I'm going to work to be the complete opposite of that. I'm going to spend my life and prove to myself that I am not that. And now, just before he's about to receive a ward, encapsulating the complete antithesis to that feeling that he had as a child, Incompetent, incapable, coward, just as he's about to be validated, <laughs> stamped by the best in his business that he has actually achieved the pinnacle of success. Like he sacrifices that. Why? Because that's what Chris Rock said. Chris Rock said, like, everybody called him a bitch. Everybody called him a bitch. I tried to call the motherfucker and offer my condolences. He didn't pick up for me. Everybody called him a bitch. The drink champs called him a bitch. Charlemagne called him a bitch. The View called him a bitch. Everybody in the world called that man a bitch. And who does he hit? Me. Somebody knows he can beat. That is some bitch-ass shit. Fatality. I feel so bad, bro. Because that's going to affect him. And I think I know what the problem is. I think I know what the problem is. And it uncovered it for me in his Oscar speech. Because... People thought it was incoherent, but I actually think knowing all of this, it made a lot of sense. Like, he speaks about, I'm a protector, I'm a defender, I'm overwhelmed with what God is calling me to do. I want to shine light on people, I want to be a vessel for love. And he was like going through identity thing over there. He's like, I just smacked this brah, and I'm not that brah. I'm a want to be a vessel for love, and God is calling me to do this, and I'm overwhelmed that God is calling me to do this. And I just smack this brow on the top. What the hell? Right? And, and I think the problem is because it's an ego problem with Will. His ego is so deficient because of what he went through as a child, and you had no idea, you know, this powerful guy, like, <laughs> more <laughs> incredible than most of us, supremely talented in multiple ways, just feels insignificant in his heart, you know, and is doing everything to hide that scared child. It's, it's heartbreaking, actually. It's heartbreaking. But for me, I think it uncovered the issue because he says, God is calling on me, right? To do this, to be a vessel of light. Okay, first of all, if you want to be a vessel of light, come to South Africa because we would love you to shine your light. So we don't have issues with load shedding. We'd love that. Please, Will, if you want to shine your light, come here first. And God is calling you And I think that is showcases, like, that he's driven by ego. Because most deaf on the Midnight Miracle podcast, I think, said it best. Dave Chappelle asked him about, like, how he feels when people call him great. Most deaf, Yasin Bey. Dave Chappelle says, you know when people attribute greatness to you, how do you respond to that? And most Def, a.k.a. Yasin by Muslim Brother, was like, if people see something that's great in me, I hope that they are reminded of the source of that greatness and all greatness. And it's not for me to treat my gift like it's an achievement. What I do with my gift is the achievement. But even the ability to make those achievements is a gift in and of itself. What is said in our tradition, whoever makes special claims about themselves or their relationships to themselves or to others is bearing false testament. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about here, okay? I'm talking about even the atheistic individuals over here. I'm talking about the concept of God. The one way Will Smith is talking about God in the way that God is calling me to do this. I'm so quiet, bro. God is going, yo, bruh, this Will Smith, bruh. this, bra is great. I need to call this, bra to help me. To spread love and light to the world. I don't know why God suddenly has my accent. Apologize for that. Bra! This world, bra! You! is the... We need... I need to use you, bra! Yo, you're quiet. I'm calling you. I, I know you're overwhelmed, but you... You need to be a vessel for love. And... The, <laughs> the other way with most deaf, he talks about... Any greatness that people perceive in him, the source of that greatness and all greatness is not me. So the one way builds your ego. Your God is chosen me. Where the other way negates the ego. And from a spiritual perspective, we always talk about negating the ego because then your heart can lead the way. Because your ego, you know, there's a danger in connecting to your ego too much. And Will Smith and you know, to a certain extent, me as well, I'm in the in the public eye, you know, we live in the you know, I, I'm in like the D class South African celebrity space, but still I get it. Um, it's it's a fakeness to the world, it's an ego, egoistic um, environment. And I think the approach of like anything good that I'm doing, right? The source is something beyond me. Right? It's it's a gift that is coming from beyond me. As opposed to Will Smith's going, is the all-powerful is choosing me. Da-da-da-da! To be the champion. I will Smith will spread light to the world. And he's doing this because only because he feels that way as a child. And you know that that just conscientized me to the fact, you know, I gotta really think about how I negotiate, you know, the world of fame a little bit more, you know? And it also like messed me up initially because I thought, like, is it better? to be a good person who has done bad things or be a bad person who does good things. It seems like this whole situation um, implies you have to start with a foundation of imperfection. So, I think this ego problem is going to manifest in a lot of ways because we live in a world where we're only showing perfection. Um, Even with social media, I mean with filters and everything. We just, we're just just exaggerating like the falseness because we're not perfect and we need to accept that we're not perfect. But here's the thing. We are not perfect, but I think we can try to create perfect things. And that's where I think, you know, Chris Rock, approached it better because instead of, instead of uh, having Will Smith arrested that night, instead of, of suing him, Jim Carrey said, like, you should sue him for $200 million. It was well within his rights for him to do that. Instead of doing that, he took all that pain and then transformed it into into Art. And art that got him paid forty million dollars minimum. Not even discounting the like the massive tour schedule that he had. He transformed the pain into laughs. But we'll talk about this a little bit more. Right? This podcast, The Best Medicine, is about laughter, creativity, comedy, and how it, you know, improves our mental health and wellness and we're going to tell jokes and we're going to impart wellness ideas and we're going to try and heal because i think it's very very important in this time but i think the message is guys stay imperfect but aspire to make perfect things right all right um, if you want to support the podcast, um, you can uh, join my Patreon and support me. There's lots of cool goodies over there. Riyad Musa, Patreon. Um, also, new material, the sequel to Material, is available on my website. You can watch that at any time. Um, my new comedy special, Voices in My Head, will be coming out soon, and you can get that, um, I think, also on my website and Patreon. And to my mother, I hope I didn't ramble too much. And I thought that like I sort of brought the the ideas together and we've all learned something. Keep laughing, guys. Let's laugh our way to wellness. See you next time.